showed any of it, but I was just interested. And then finally, when I decided I was going to go to college, figured I, I think computer science because something about it has stuck with me for the past 10 years or so. So I might as well just hop into it. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Ken's Nearest Neighbors, the podcast where I bring in fascinating people from my world to talk about life, data science, sports analytics, content creation, and much, much more. I'm your host, Ken G. I'm really excited to have Forrest Knight in as my guest this week. Forrest is also someone who I really look up to on YouTube. I love his editing style, and I try and replicate or get inspiration from a lot of the things that he does in his video. I'm happy to call Forrest a friend of mine, and he's quite well known in the YouTube computer science space. He got a start on YouTube by documenting his journey of earning his computer science degree and later his full stack software engineering role. In this interview, we talk about some of the differences between software engineering and data science, and hopefully this chat helps you to better understand which career path is right for you. We also take a deep dive into his content creation journey and I'm sure you want to stay around for that. We learn a lot about him and his interests. Forrest, thank you so much for coming in. I've told you this before, but you're one of my major inspirations on YouTube. You know, you create incredible content, but there's this really cool sort of artistic feel. You have some good camera angles that, that I've been trying to absorb in, in through watching the videos. And thank you. You, no problem. And you, you also have a really interesting background, I think, for a lot of the people who are going to be watching this, you come from computer science, you, I mean, you're, you're still working in that domain, but you've also recently begun to experiment with some reinforcement learning with, uh, with the data science skill set. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll be really cool for us to have a conversation today about maybe some of the difference between computer science, software engineering and data science and what you've learned from having exposure to both of those fields. Does that sound pretty great. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, let's get started just with a little bit more of your background. Obviously, I mentioned that you're you're a YouTuber. Uh, you also have quite a few other businesses, but let's dig down into the, the computer science stuff, where you started and, and how you learned those skills. So where, where I started like way back, if we're going way back, kind of where it stemmed from. As far as you want, like three days old, if, if you need to. So when I was three days old, <laughs> <laughs> I had a Game Boy in my hand. No, those weren't out yet. But way, way back when, um, my cousin actually does like, uh, kind of like front end development and he had his own company doing that. So I was always intrigued kind of how he was able to make things on the internet. You know, he was able to make things when he was back in, like back in like 2000, 2005, when it didn't need to be good, as long as there was something on the internet, he could make money doing. And then he developed his skills from there. So it's cool to see. And then every single time my interest would change to something else, something would bring it back to software development that realm which one in all honesty one big one was the social network the movie where it's all about how facebook was built and whatnot maybe not everything is true but it was a big inspiration to just see how you can just be in a room with computer laptop whatever it may be and build something that everyone can see or use and that always appealed to me literally everyone yeah literally especially now with facebook and when i went from uh or back when I was doing like Xbox, Call of Duty and stuff like that. I think that was before actually the, the social network came out. I'll do some like a hack, hack things in there to prestige lobbies and stuff like that. Script kitty stuff. I wouldn't like code any of it, but I was just interested. And then finally, when I decided I was going to go to college, figured 
I, I think computer science because it's something about it has stuck with me for the past 10 years or so. So I might as well just hop into it. That's awesome. And so you obviously make a reasonable amount of educational content. I wouldn't say you, I think you've done some tutorial stuff, but a lot of it's like, Oh, yeah. these are the algorithms you should know. This is uh, about learning, which, which I think is arguably more important than the concrete stuff. Um, yeah, I like those better. What was your experience learning uh, computer science in school? I mean, do you think that uh, your school did a good job or the things that you thought were deficient? And that's one of the reasons why you might make these videos or what, what did that process look like for you? Um, kind of a mixed bag. I mean, when I was really in computer science, the thing was I wasn't the best student. And the reason being is I was, I would always dive in head first to whatever I was really interested in at the time. Like back when I was in, in college doing computer science stuff, I went full on iOS development, teaching myself and, and learning online and stuff like that. And that's kind of part of what I have on my channel way back when, please don't ever watch those videos because they're not that good. They'll be linked below. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I did, uh, when it comes to the computer science curriculum, I think, I, I think they get, did a good job. A lot of at my school, I went to ODU. It wasn't one of the best computer science schools, but it, it was kind of where I was at, at that time. Like I said, I wasn't the best student, but I did what I could. And I really started making the videos because I wanted to kind of track, uh, 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 have a record of my journey, something that I could look back on in five, 10 years, and then try to help other people who have, who are kind of following in my footsteps. Cause here's the thing you can make videos and you, you recently made a video about imposter syndrome. You can make videos, even if you're not the best person in the world, because there's always going to be people that aren't quite as good as you and maybe the best developer in the world can't take much away from the videos that I make, but I think there are a lot of people who are getting into the space that can take things about the videos that I make. And that's kind of why I got into YouTube. Yeah. Well, I, I 100% love that because I think you can make video. You look at most of the people who are really successful on YouTube. I mean, even someone like Logan Paul or whatever that is, you're not watching them because they're an expert. You're watching them because you want to see the process. You want, you're like interested in the journey. And whether that's data science, software engineering, computer science, mm -hmm. anything, there's still a journey associated with that. If, if I'm watching someone and they're talking about their progress and Kaggle competitions and the thing they've learned every week, it's vlog style. Yeah. To me, that's just as interesting as maybe something that I would put out that is more about like how to do stuff, but I'm still learning every day. There's plenty of stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It's a lot of fun to watch those types of people because you can kind of see like if, if, if you or I watch someone that just does YouTube, regardless of what the topic is about, it's really cool to see their journey behind YouTube, not just what they're doing, but kind of how they grow within YouTube. And that's just like one of the underlying journeys of, of someone's life. If they happen to be talking about software development, how they went through computer science degree or how they got a job doing this or that, it's really cool to see someone's journey and how they progress. And then you can compare that you shouldn't compare, but uh, you can kind of use it as a reference point. Like, wow, that's like what I can aspire to, or, or that that's, you get an example of how things could possibly go. If, if you decide to go down this route. I think that's so useful too, because an example would be in my computers, in my master's in computer science, I took a, it was called software engineering 450, where we learned about all the design principles. Mm -hmm. And I took that last and going back, 
I wish I'd taken that first. Everything in all my other classes made so much more sense. And I was writing okay. such bad code in my other classes because I didn't have a concept of, oh, these are the building blocks to build sustainable, repeatable code. And I learned these. Well, why would I do that? It, it, it's annoying that they, they didn't require me to take it earlier. Yeah, that's but if I what, what did you uh, get your bachelor's in? Economics. Economics. Okay. Yeah. Similar to like design principles and things of that nature in my, in undergraduate, obviously I haven't done masters yeah. or anything like that. So that's, that's why I asked because I feel like most undergraduates may have something like that, but if you're going into masters, regardless of where you come from, they should reinforce those design principles. Exactly. I mean, that, that's something that I was like, Oh my goodness, this, everything else makes so much more sense. And, <laughs> and now going forward, a lot of people who do the same program I did, they'll reach out to me and say, Hey, which courses should I take? When I had a couple of friends who go through, I was like, look, take this one first. It'll make everything so much easier. Um, I want to ask a question about that out of my own personal curiosity. Do you think that you would have been able to, cause it's one thing experience something and then kind of looking at it retrospectively and learning kind of why you did what you did. You think you would have taken as much out of that class if you would have learned it before you had the experiences of implementing them? Um, Still, think I, it I, 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 I think it would have helped better mm -hmm. just because, so the reason I took it later is I was more interested in the machine learning and, and the data science courses that were offered as electives. And I was like, why don't I just learn what I'm interested in first? This is SE 450 was a requirement, but I didn't have to take it again in, in any order. I just had to take it before I graduated. And I still had to take other ones. I had to take, um, what was it? Um, I obviously had to take algorithms. I had to take a, a, like a programming language construction course where we compared, you know, like functional versus, um, I guess, or something. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and like call by value, pass by value. Some of the, those, types of, I obviously don't remember any of it. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean that <laughs> again, that would have been just, uh, to me, I think in retrospect, I didn't want to take it earlier because I was fearing it a little bit. I thought it would be hard. We had to do a fairly large project. We had to make like remake Microsoft Paint or something. And to me, that was unbelievably intimidating at the time. Yeah. And yeah, again, difficult. in retrospect, uh, it really wasn't that hard. <laughs> yeah. I just had to... I, you just have to, you have to do, I had to do it anyway. Why didn't I just get the hard stuff out of the way early? Who knows? Sure. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So let's shift a little bit into the, the career space. And right. I'm interested in, well, in my videos, I've talked a lot about the different, there's plenty of different types of data scientists. You can, you start as a data analyst, you have a data engineer, a, like a data scientist, data scientist, machine learning engineer. There's so many branches you can go. Can you touch a really high level on what that looks like from a computer science degree as well? So we have like front end that you mentioned earlier. There's a full stack. What what do those things mean for anyone that is that has no clue what we're talking about? <laughs> okay. So 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 my end when it comes to software engineer, at least what I did when, when it comes to like enterprise applications or web applications, of course you have the front end. That is what the user sees, and then you go into the back end, and that is kind of the logic behind it. And with, when it comes to full stack, you do the front end, the back end, and then all the database work. Cause 
I mean, if you make something like YouTube, you got to store all that stuff somewhere. So, and you also have like API web services connecting the two. And there's, there's all those uh, uh, factors when it comes to full stack. And at, at, at my job, what I did was everything from front end, back end, uh, web API services, some database work. And that's, that, that's kind of how I explain full stack. And then they're also obviously independent where it comes to just, just backend developers, just front-end developers. But if you work at a smaller company, typically they want you to do as much as you can. Obviously, you're not going to be doing the full workload of a backend developer in a single day, as well as a full workload as a front-end. But you know, one day you do front-end work, another day you do back-end, another day you have to do database queries, whatever it may be. So, And then, and then of course, the front-end, you just kind of focus on Making it pretty experience. Yeah. Making it pretty. That's right. And how did you end up getting that first position out of school? The traditional process. What, what did that, what did that look like? My internship. So my internship wasn't at this company, but it was at a Norfolk Southern. I think I can talk about, yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't have to. <laughs> no, no, no. That, I, I can talk about that. I talked about it in the past, but, um, I had an internship. It was actually a co-op Norfolk Southern. The difference between like an internship and a co-op, at least how I, in my mind, where you have an internship, it's just kind of like a one-time thing, something that may happen in the summer or whatever. A co-op, you typically do one semester, whatever semester, fall, summer, spring at the company. And then the next semester you do at school, your schoolwork. And then the next semester you go at the company and the next semester, like you kind of rotate like that. And I had a co-op with Norfolk Southern and I built a good relationship with them, but I was like a systems analyst intern. And that's not exactly what I wanted to do. I want to do software engineering. So actually some, the, the company I used to work for Norfolk Southern was one of their clients. So I got on hired on at the recommendation of someone that I worked under at Norfolk Southern. And we talked my final semester, senior year, and we did interview stuff and whatnot, of course, you know, kind of that traditional route. I didn't need to apply or anything because of that recommendation. And then I started like, shortly after I graduated the same month. Awesome. Well, that that's, I really like to highlight stories of how people landed their first positions because I think of, you know, I've done quite a few interviews so far and there's only been one person that's gone the traditional straight apply process, maybe one or two. And yeah, I mean, my best recommendation is always either get a referral, do an internship and make that turn into a job, uh, you know, work with a recruiter. There's, there's all these outside sources, you know, outside sources that, uh, th- that's how people really get jobs. And, you know, people. And, and I will, and I will touch on the actual way that I got the Norfolk Southern co-op is by traditionally going on, uh, w- w- one of those, one of those job search sites, cause I really wanted to get a, get a job. I applied to a NASA internship that I had gotten that following summer and then a fall co-op with Norfolk Southern. And during that NASA internship, I had to step out because I had to do the interview and the whole entire process for Norfolk Southern. And then I ended up uh, working there in the fall. So both of those actually came from fully, actually the Norfolk Southern came from traditional one. The NASA one came from like traditionally, but I heard about it from a referral from my like student advisor. Awesome. Well, I think that it's important to, to note for anyone, for anyone watching that the internship it's probably a little bit easier to get than the full-time offer, right? Yeah, yeah. And once once you get an internship, that opens so many doors to you, whether it's through that company getting hired back 
or through referrals or through just having that experience, whatever it might be. Yeah. And I, so, I definitely agree with you that it's, it, I think that's the best way to go about it. I just, I also just wanted to highlight when it comes to the internships, exactly what you said, they're slightly easier to get. And that's how you would get into the internships in order to create those relationships that'll turn into referrals. Exactly. I, I can't stress the importance of that enough. I just wanted to, to throw that one in there because that's something that I am yeah. constantly, constantly reinforcing. So let's talk a little bit about the differences between software engineering and data science, and then we'll get a lot more into your content, your YouTube story. I think that that's also, uh, you know, that's so fascinating. It's such, um, I imagine it will be such a feel good story. So, um, you know, you've obviously, you have this very strong background in the computer science and, and you're, you started to explore data science. Is there anything that is, that has surprised you in that journey? I mean, you obviously didn't start with the, the basics. You kind of jumped right into the reinforcement learning, which, yeah. which I like. I, I think that that's, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. but, you know, what, what kind of have you learned through that process? And again, has anything been a bit surprising to you? Well, when it comes to that, I would like to just kind of point out, basically all I've done in the realm was do some machine learning type stuff that I just want to have, have a little bit of fun with it and learn along the way. That's kind of, that was kind of my goal with it this year when I was dabbling in it, where I just made a game and kind of went to the heuristics of, of how to best beat that game and then build a, a model in order to train, you know, train the AI to actually beat, beat that game or, or get a good score on it, like in my Tetris. And that, as well as kind of dabbling into the neat algorithm, which for my use wasn't as fun as like actually diving deeper into the actual heuristics of, uh, of a particular game. And by heuristics, I, I just mean kind of, kind of little aspects that allow, allow you to beat the game, like what pro Tetris players use in order to get a high score that those were what my heuristics were when I, when I built my model. And I just wanted to first off say that that that's really as far as I've gone when it comes to like machine learning and, and things of that nature. Well, <laughs> again, I, I think that that's, you know, honestly, that's a lot further than probably many of the people who, who watch these videos have, have gone into it. I mean, you kind of jumped into the deep end, which I really like. Actually, let me take a step back. I did take an intro to artificial intelligence course in college, which that's what really got me into it where I, I made like, you know, I did like uh, BFS, DFS, a lot, a lot of searching and backtracking algorithms and stuff like that for Sudoku or Connect Four or Sokoban or I, I know there's a couple more little little terminal applications that I built and just did some implemented some simple algorithms in order to to solve it right. But that that's where I started, and then I hopped back into it a couple of years later, which would be this year, which is what I just what I just talked about. <laughs> well, I, forget what happens before. <laughs> no, it, it is all good. I, so. If, from your from your perspective, you know what what is the main difference between just your exposure to those types of things and the more traditional, uh, you know, computer science software engineering work. Well, both times I use Java because I'm a big Java guy, and that probably wasn't the <laughs> I know it probably wasn't the best way to go about it, but I've been very standoffish when it comes to Python. I don't, I don't know why. I think it's kind of a meme at this point, but I just like Java and I typically try to do whatever I can in Java. 
so both both instances that's that's kind of that's kind of what i used and when it comes to the little bit of machine learning that i did of course how what was done was different but kind of my methodology into going about it wasn't that much different of course one was in a in a, in a big agile methodology framework the other one i just kind of winged it to be honest with you and and, and the other one that would be building the game and, and the machine learning side of things. So I don't really have much in terms of differences. Well, I think you, you characterized it very well, actually. Uh, yeah. like it might've been anecdotally, but I look at data science and then a lot of the machine learning, maybe not machine learning engineering, but you are kind of winging it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Like there are a ton of similarities. You're, you're still writing a lot of code. You're still, um, you're still going out and, and building something. Mm -hmm. But the nature of data science, I think, is a little bit more exploratory, right? Like when we when we build yeah. a an app, when we build something, there's a lot more planning. You're doing all the requirements, you're doing all this, yeah. and you know, uh, usually before you build it, what you want to produce. Yeah, um, kind of a right and wrong way to go about that. Exactly, and in data science, it's a little bit more open ended, and I. Yeah. I think that you're, you're just yeah. making me look good. I didn't think of that. You thought of that, but I'll no, I, I, I promise you thought of it. Um, but, but, you know, for, for me, I, I think it's really important for, for us to understand what types of problems we're comfortable with solving. And a lot of people, you, they get really interested in the data science career path. They're like, Oh, you can make a lot of money. You can do whatever that is. Frankly, you can probably make the same amount of money in software engineering, uh, depending on the company you work for. Yeah. And, um, and if you don't like the data science problems, if, if open-ended problems terrify you, if you look at like a, you know, a blank Jupyter notebook and you're like, I don't know where to start. And then you write a couple lines of code and you're like, I don't know where to go. Um, like they're like, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's not any, any harder or, or any, or anything other than that. It's just different. And you should probably match the type of problems you're more comfortable with or that you like solving more. Um, one with more structure, one with less structure to the career path you take. And so yeah. I, I think that that's just something I, I always want to talk about. I don't think it's any necessarily any uh, easier to become a software engineer um, or anything like that. It's just that the career path has so much more structure. Yeah. You know, people sometimes get really wrapped up in the data science stuff and they get lost. And it's like, well, like you're, you'd be a great software engineer. Why don't you go that route? <laughs> Yeah. And what's interesting is, is, is you kind of brought up money. I think, I think a lot of people look at a particular computer science path because all of these, I just feel like are under the umbrella of computer science. And that's kind of how I explain it. When it comes to a computer science path, they try to look at what makes the most money. And that's why, well, when it comes to what makes the most money, I think that you're going to make the most money with what you're most interested in. I mean, there are some variables there. Like if you're a data scientist versus a front end engineer, you're probably going to make more as a data scientist, right? However, you know, software engineer, data scientist, if you're really good software engineer, but you would just be an average data scientist, then you have more potential when it comes to being a software engineer uh, in terms of money, if that's what people are focused on. Plus, <laughs> plus, forget about the money. If you're going to enjoy being a software engineer more, even all the hours are the same, whatever it may be. If you're going to enjoy one more than the other, what's 20 you know, what's the difference between 70 grand and 90 grand? I mean, I'd rather be happier and be 20 grand less a year than 
kind of not enjoy my job as much and, and make a little bit more. I completely agree. I mean, I, I took frankly a, a major pay cut to work at the company that, that I'm working at now, but it also, Same thing. Yeah. it also allows me, well, I have a ton of control and it allows me freedom to create content, the freedom to start my own businesses, freedom to do a lot of things. And that to me is so, so much more valuable. Yeah. Um, it probably isn't valuable to everyone. I think that there's exactly there's two people out there. There's people that work to live and there's people that live to work. Mm -hmm. And I'm someone that lives to work a little bit where what I do in my work, I would probably do in my free time. I obviously can turn it off. I, I do leisure activities. I'm not like a complete psychopath. But, Fly fishing, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, but I think that, um, it's important to be introspective about those things. If you're like, look, anything that I do in work is not going to be super fulfilling to me. I just want to put in nine to five and then I live my life outside of the office. That's totally fine. And you should match the type of work you do to fit that lifestyle. Maybe if you're not going to be happy in anything, just go try and make as much money as you can mm -hmm. working nine to five and then be done with it. And usually sure use all your vacation if you can. Um, but if you're wired like me, and I would imagine you're probably wired a little bit the same way, like a lot of your livelihood comes from your work and you want to make sure that when you're spending those hours, you're doing something that, that you enjoy. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Nice. Well, I think we touched a pretty good bit on the software engineering versus data science uh, idea. And I'd love to hear more about, you know, your, your YouTube journey your experience. This is a little selfish on my part, just, just grasping any, any, well, any knowledge I can. So no stories too. So maybe not everyone in, in, in the realm of computer science, data science will want to hear, but I think, I think there's some value that can come out of it. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting topic for people to talk about. I like it. Absolutely. Well, one, one thing I, I really stress a lot anyway, is sharing your work is documenting your process because if you're trying to get a job in data science or software engineering, arguably the most important thing you can have is a portfolio. And YouTube is a fairly unique portfolio to have in my, in my opinion. Um, we, we, we touched a little bit earlier on on why you started in the documentation process, but I'd love to hear how things have grown. This is obviously like a fairly large line of business for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'd love to hear how you grew that and, and made that into something that, um, you know, that, that could be considered, uh, you know, it's like a full-time job almost. Yeah. Well, technically it is my full-time job now. So there you go. <laughs> there we go. Plus also, before I get into it, I want to, I want to say that you're right on when it comes to the portfolio, because I've actually been contacted uh, within the past year, two years by two different companies at least maybe three different companies, one of which being one of the fang companies. I don't want to, I don't want to say nothing else, but it's one of the fang companies kind of don't want to flex on you guys, but I don't want to flex. I mean, I've never, I've never mentioned this before. So I'm not, if I wanted to flex, I would have already mentioned, <laughs> but I think it can be beneficial because they can kind of see a little bit more about you than just what they see in an interview or in a portfolio and kind of how you communicate as well and the projects that you do. So I'm not saying YouTube or making this a uh, videos is for everyone, but it definitely has its perks when it comes to actual job market versus actually making it your job. Right. Yeah. And good, good, good. So I was, I was going to say to add on that, 
you have such a huge advantage in an interview if someone's already heard you speak and you're making videos that are at least semi-professional and you don't sound like you made videos, right? But imagine one of the psychologically, one of the most difficult things with an interview is that they've never met you. You're a complete stranger to them. They've never heard you speak. They don't understand your diction. They're learning a lot more about you in that one-off session than just about your background. Mm-hmm. If you go in and they've watched a video of yours, they already know how you speak. They already know uh, your your mannerisms, whatever that is. They already have some better idea about you, and they can really focus on getting to know you better rather than just getting to know you to begin with. And that exactly. that familiarity is inclined to make them like you slightly more and and be more endeared to you. Uh, and you also there's less pressure on you in the interview because they've already heard you speak and they know you don't always sound like an idiot if you're just fumbling in the interview. To That's true. Plus first impressions, I feel like are the most pressure. So in a way you already had your first impression, maybe there you, you had your first impression with them. Right. And so <laughs> what was your question? <laughs> no, was your question? I, I was going to say, so, but, uh, so, uh, you know, where did the, uh, the YouTube stuff start to, to kick off? Um, you know, what were some of the things where like, Hey, this could be, this could be what I do. You know what I mean? Okay. So back when I first started, I made a bunch of silly videos that are now private and nobody will ever see. And not like silly, silly video, just like when I say silly videos, just simple vlogs and just goofing around and, and whatever it may be. Right. Nothing too cringy. But then I started doing iOS development stuff. I figured people liked it and I liked the engagement. I like being part of a, a, a community because I was the only one I'm, I'm still really the only one I know when it comes to software engineering, uh, computer science, like all of my friends, I kind of just have like my main friend group from high school, even like elementary school. And none of them got into the same realm as me. I, I grew up in a blue collar area. Same. So like, I know no one who is in the same realm. So it was kind of nice to have that community when I was making a YouTube channel. And that's kind of what I focused on for a while as I was development. And then I made a computer science because I was a computer science student at this time made a computer science related vlog where I just kind of went through my day as a computer science uh, student and people really liked that. So I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. So I started making some more and people really liked that as well. And I set up the goal to hit like 10,000 subscribers after in this particular year, I forget what year it was. Let's say it was like 2017 or something. Uh, I don't know. Let's say 2017. I wanted to hit 10,000 subscribers by the end of the year, something like that. And I hit 10,000 subscribers after the first like two months. Mind you, this is after a year and a half of already doing it. I may have my years wrong, but it's something like that, right? And I, I hit my goal for the whole entire year after the first few months because I was doing the computer science content. I'm like, oh, this is, this is pretty cool. I had people contact me when it comes to sponsorships and this and that, even though I had you know 10 to 20,000 subscribers and it just kind of went up from there. But of course, I was about to graduate computer science degree I had, I had these internships. I was in communications with uh, the company that for, to be a software engineer. And that's kind of how it took. I don't, uh, I don't recall how many subscribers I had when I got the job. Uh, this was in 2018 though, but I knew I've always known that I wanted to take software development uh, in a direction where I can be location and financially independent. Basically, I can work for myself wherever I wanted and, and make good money while doing it, while enjoying the process of, of coding, right? So YouTube 
uh, kind of just became that for me. I can code what I want when I want. I'll take on some clients now and then. Like I'm building like three websites right now for one for myself, one for a different company, and then one for a particular client. And that's just kind of what I can do. And that's what YouTube has allowed me to do. I think it was that spike of growth when I started getting that, those, those sponsorship opportunities when it comes to the video, there's a lot of sponsorships that came in that I'm like, no way, but those, those same way. <laughs> dime, a, dime a dozen that, that come through that you really like, or that you use, or that, I mean, are just overall good companies. Those started coming in and then I'm like, this could actually be something that I could do full time. Once I got to a point where kind of the, the amount of money, yeah, basically the amount of money I was making on YouTube surpassed what I was making as a software engineer. So in a way, and the amount of hours I was working on YouTube was obviously less than my 40 to 50 hours as a software engineer. So in a way I was losing money going to my job. So if it, like, like, cause literally if I spent all of that time on YouTube, What's possible? Uh, yeah, be able to make more money because I'm spending half the time on YouTube and I'm already making that, right? So that's kind of when I realized, I think I just want to take the leap and do this full time. And a lot of people talk about going into business where you have to go in, you know, full force, you know, both feet in, right? However, you know, I kind of did one foot in by building it on the side. And then I decided to take that leap once it was sustainable. And I think that's that's probably the best way to go about uh, building a business. That's when I realized YouTube, I can make videos at my leisure, code some days I want to. And if there's some days where I just don't feel it, I don't have to go into work. I'll just go outside. I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever I want. And that's kind of why I set up. That's why I wanted this to happen, kind of be able to work for myself and have that freedom because I know some days I'm just worthless. I mean, I can't do anything productive and I'd, I, I always felt bad when I had to go to work and I wasn't being as productive as I should be, but it's just, I don't know. I don't know if I had control over it or not, but I just couldn't do the work that I needed to do. Maybe I'll get to it tomorrow or, or maybe I'll have a better head on my shoulders tomorrow so I can actually solve this problem. And now I don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. Well, I, I love a lot of things about that story. And so the first is, you know, I, I do think the software engineering skill set allows you to do just I have a little bit more freedom with contracts. I think it's hard to win contracts as a data scientist. And we talked about this a little bit before, uh, in the, in, in our kind of pre pre interview conversation that yeah. in software engineering, you're selling a, a website being built, you're selling a tangible product in data science. A lot of the time you're selling an insight and it's really an hard to get someone to buy an insight or an idea or a decision if you're handing off something that, that they can use that they can in theory, like play, play around with a touch, that's a very different story. And I think that that's one major advantage of, uh, of having a software engineering background is that you can build stuff and, you know, people need websites all the time. People need like, you know, a, a small app, whatever it might be. And that's something very powerful. If you're looking for, uh, to do, more things independent. That is a great skill set to have. I also love kind of the entrepreneurship conversation you're having is that mm -hmm. what you did is, from my perspective is you created this proof of concept 
um, by doing it on the side, by getting momentum, by seeing that you could make money rather than just jumping and be like, this is what I want to do. This is all I'm going to do. And it's really in my mind, important in, in life or in anything to experiment. You know, if, if I was looking, let's say I was an economic student, like I was in college and I got interested in data science back then, I wouldn't just uproot and switch my major that, you know, right away. What I'd probably do is I'd say, Hey, I'm going to do a couple projects. I'm going to see if I like it. I'm going to see if I'm any good at this. I'll share it with my friends. And if it happens that, okay, I like I've made, I've gotten traction with this. It seems like this makes logical sense. Then I'll maybe switch. Um, exactly. You know, a big part of any of this stuff in my mind is experimentation and, and you've clearly done that, you know, you, you you're, you know, it seems like you've only seen a half of it. I, I, I've been with my wife for, I mean, we've been married for a couple of years, but we've been together for like eight, eight years since I was 17 years old. And when I was 17, 18, 19 years old, I was really trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was going to be a lineman or, or do something, you know, I told you, I, I come from a blue collar area. I grew up on a farm and, and that was really the main career path that I saw myself going, which is a great career path. So my brother does, my dad did right. Well, not a lineman, but he was a farmer. And uh, I thought I was going to go that route. I think I still would have been happy going that route, but I kept changing my mind and changing my mind and changing my mind. Maybe I want to do this, 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 and that. And my wife's a trooper because she really stuck with me for all of that. But I was just experimenting with what I think I want to do. And I think that's important to find something that you really want to do. That's awesome. And uh, I would I would hope your wife played a... Uh, uh... A, a good role in you eventually finding out what you wanted to do. You know, this year I've been experimenting with an accountability partner, someone that I'm telling basically what I plan to be working on this year, what I'm trying to accomplish, uh, what I've done, you know, each week we meet and mm -hmm. I, I'm finding that very valuable because it's important to have someone to kind of rein you in a little bit or look at things objectively and be like, Ken, you have too much on your plate. You need to cut something off or, uh, or, you know, you've been trying to do this and it just isn't working. Just stop it, man. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think it's really important to have people that are, that are honest with you and that are willing to, that, that are willing to put in the time to know you and someone like that, they don't even have to be, they don't have to know anything about programming right? Yeah. They can just be there. It's kind of like a rubber duck when you're coding to just talk to. And sometimes when you articulate something, even about your life, it doesn't have to be about code. You're like, I don't think I can do this or I don't think yeah, I should exactly. do this. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> so those are, um, you know, most of the questions that I, that I really had for you. I think that there's, uh, you, you, you have such uh, multi-dimensional lifestyle. And I think it's incredible. You balance it and, and you've made this into a career for yourself. And again, that shows one kind of the, the, the power of, of the entrepreneurship in you, like what you can do with uh, any skill set. I mean, mm -hmm. I think you could be making videos about pottery at, at this point. And if you had the amount of, uh, traction that you've had so far, uh, actually I have one last question. All right. I see, I see hey, the clown as many questions as you have. I'm hanging out. I see the clown mask behind you. And I, I saw some of the, uh, some of the videos you did about it kind of taking over. What's the, what's the deal with that? I feel like everyone wants oh. to know, <laughs> you know, I'm asking the tough questions. Well, 
I like lore. When it comes to like, like when I was younger, I played World of Warcraft, and there's one thing just about going through the game and playing it. There's another thing about like the story behind it. And if you really think about it, there's a lot of different things uh, like that, mostly video games, but where there's like that story behind it that, I don't know, something about that just intrigues me. That was probably the best example I could give. And I wanted wanted to, and I'm still kind of doing it, uh, have just like a little bit of lore behind the channel. Plus that video, my the, the one that has that in the thumbnail, that video took forever to make. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty impressive editing stuff in there. <laughs> that one took forever. But that, that that's kind of what I, why I wanted to integrate it. And I thought it was fun. And I, I would like to kind of bring it back a little bit. Um, I, I kind of working on a few things to do that. In all honesty, what I really wanted to do, but I just couldn't do this by myself, is make a big puzzle. Like you heard of Cicada by chance? I not think so, puzzle, yeah. But like, yeah. they're not like a hacker group, but they're a group that they put out puzzles every so often and people would solve them. They would come up with another puzzle and people would solve them. But the last one's been years. I don't know how long, but years. And nobody's solved it yet. And I wanted to just kind of introduce puzzles that people could solve with code or with just critical thinking or something along those lines uh, uh, to my audience so they can solve and it just kind of be a fun little community project. But those are harder to put together than you may think. So if you want to help me with those, we can do it. <laughs> well, we could always do an open-ended data science one. There we go. <laughs> That's the beauty is that we don't have to program at all. <laughs> all right. And there's no definitive answer. Like you said, it's kind of open. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and whoever, uh, and we could have like a like on Kaggle, you have like a, a scoring threshold. That's like, oh, whoever has the best like root mean square or something, or like the lowest loss or whatever that is. But yeah, I, I'm all, I love that stuff. I, I'm that's I would cool. I would really like to be able to give um, you know people in, in either of our communities more of a way to showcase their talents and to say, Hey, that I won the, I beat the puzzle or something. I can go on your resume. That's something that could one point. help you learn, but also maybe even help you get a job, help you develop your career further. So, yeah, that should be, be fun. See, that's what I've wanted to do this year, but I just haven't been able, I, I just haven't been able to not only find the time, but really figure out exactly and how I want to go about it. I have a lot of ideas. Though, so. Well, we could uh, potentially collaborate. Let's say, you know, some of the people in, in the data science space, they build the, the like algorithm. Yeah. And then the, the challenge on your end is who can productionize that algorithm into the coolest web app or front end or. That'd be cool. Um, yeah. It could be a, like a, a combining of worlds and like a true mix of how data science and software engineering is supposed to work together. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I like that idea. Oh yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. I mean, this, this was incredible. Thank you so much for coming in. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. I think everyone's going to get quite a bit out of your experience, your story. And they also got a lot more about understanding if maybe software engineering is a better fit than data science for them. You know, I think both of our goals is to make sure that people are getting the most out of their career decisions, making sure that they're enjoying what they're doing. Yeah. And also, yeah, well, really what I, what I like to kind of go with when it comes to, uh, the advice I give is I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily influence people's decisions. I just kind of want to share my experiences and 
allow them to take my experience and a little bit of knowledge or opinions or facts, whatever it may be that I have and make the best decision for them. Cause I feel like a lot of people, they kind of look to certain people. I'm probably not one of them, but to certain other people and whatever that person says, that's the end all be all. All right. I'm going to do that, which I, I don't think that's the right thing to go about it because they're different than you and you got to figure out what you want to do in life. Absolutely. And so I'm just completely off my game today. I always open the floor up to you to talk about, um, any, <laughs> any parting words of advice or any other things going on in your life. I would love to hear about those things. I'm sure the audience would love to hear about those things. Just YouTube. YouTube I love it. Com slash F night. I couldn't get the forest night, but it forest night is, is my channel. And <laughs> I don't know. I do software engineering stuff, mostly Java when I actually dive into it, but a lot of, but in all honesty, mostly kind of like topical tips, tricks, if you will, when it comes to software engineering, agile development, that type of stuff. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Ken's Nearest Neighbors. If you enjoyed it, we'd greatly appreciate it if you gave us a rating and followed the show. It helps us to continue to bring in awesome guests. I hope to join us next week for a conversation with Jake Amaral. He's a finance YouTuber that focuses specifically on algorithmic trading. In our episode, we talk about why data science can often be too complicated for trading stocks.